Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Kendra Maurer and Morgana. Tonight, we're welcoming Krista Alexander. She is a documentarian. She did the documentary Lights in the Sky. Hello, Krista. Hello. I'm, I'm happy to have you here, finally. Um, your uh, movie, I did a, a review. It was like one of the very first blog posts we put on our website. Uh-huh. So I'm happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Um, why don't Why don't you talk a little bit about your documentary before we get started? Okay. So I um, had no. I have film experience. I've been working in film since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old, and I was a journalist. So when I found the lights in the sky and the news team wouldn't cover it in my local city, I realized it was my job to spread the word. And I did. And I had no idea that it would become what it did. Um, But I'm so thankful that it did. Uh, It's really kind of, I think, changed the conversation in a lot of ways. And um, it's, it's asked a lot of different questions that I don't feel like were really being asked before about lights in the sky or more commonly referred to as UFOs or UAP. Excellent. So the wave of lights in the sky that you're talking about was in 2018? Actually, gosh, 2020, 2020, 2020, I think. Yeah, Yeah. it was 2020. Okay. And it was, it was in Colorado. Is that where it it started? And then Nevada. They thought they were drones. And I was expecting to see a drone. I really was. Everybody was freaking out about it. And I was like, we have video evidence. I mean, like, if you're going to have evidence, video is pretty much top of the line for what you need to figure out what you're looking at, you know, and we had it. So what's the problem? Um, I zoomed in and I was like, I can't tell you that moment where I was like, there was something inside of me that like, like a dog when he tilts his head off to the side, like, what the, you know, Mm -hmm. like. (laughs) is this right is this right no because my dad was totally into ufo videos and stuff and i loved ancient aliens and i've always kind of read into that kind of thing um but i had never heard anyone describe ufos of the way that i had the way that i was looking at it and so for me it was like completely and totally brand new in fact i still feel like people don't talk about UFOs for what they actually are. They still maintain that they're something um, else. So I find that very interesting. Despite the fact that we have evidence and things like that, people are still holding on to preconceived ideas, which is very interesting from a psychological perspective. I think so too. So your contention is that they are lights. Well, that's actually, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't, I'm glad that you brought that up. Barbara, thank you very much because I I named them lights in the sky because they're lights in the sky. You know, it's a it's a good 
term for them, but I don't think that they're just lights. Um, it's just a name that I gave them. Can you describe what you think of of them as? So um, my guess is based solely on what I'm seeing in the video. So with that evidence in mind, my conclusion is probably just as good as anybody else's. But from my research, I feel like the lights are a form of plasma, which is what the Condine report said. Um, and I do feel like plasma is capable of um, what we would call sentience or consciousness or some form of intelligence. And I believe that they can go through different states of matter from gas to liquid to solid to what's called a plasma. And then finally, superconductor or super liquid, which is a state of matter that is um, like a superhero super liquid. It's half matter, half light. It creates its own gravitational field. It can levitate. Um, the UAP patent for the Navy was using a deuterium as a way to achieve this state of matter. Um, it's insane what's, what superconductors can do, and it fits it perfectly. It fits what we're seeing. It makes sense scientifically. So for me, I think I'm so comfortable. I'm so in, in, in my soul, in my heart, I kind of feel like that's what it is, and I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. I think it's a it's a reasonable theory from looking at the footage that you've collected and analyzed. Um, like I was saying to you earlier, my husband, he's not a complete and utter skeptic. He knows that people see strange things. He's lived with me for like, I don't know, almost 40 years. So he knows people see strange things and he knows that those strange things um, cause people to react in certain ways. But he's never seen a UAP, UFO, light in the sky at all himself. But he was fascinated with the footage that you showed in the very beginning of the, the film and how you then analyzed it and zoomed in and, you know, isolated it and looked at it. And, and the, the, the detail that you were pulling out of that video, he was absolutely fascinated with that the way that the the lights changed colors the way that they pulsed in a rhythm mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all of that was absolutely fascinating and and he and he looked at me and he said that every time i watch a ufo documentary with with you i, I this is the first time i've looked at something and gone that wow is real wow that's a compliment that's something that's something right there. Mm. So that really impressed me as well. Um, you know, John Keel, since you're on the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast, we'll just bring up Keel. Mm -hmm. um, he said, and I believe it's in the Eighth Tower, that the light is the true phenomena. Mm. He said that the light that you see first in a UFO um, sighting before you see the solid craft, quote unquote, is the actual part of the phenomena that is real, that is, that is physically real, that represents a 
consciousness that is non-human. And then the light acts upon the viewers' brains mm. and their consciousnesses, and they see things that are illusory but are very, very real to them. Okay. And he was very careful to basically say, I'm not saying it's all in your head. I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm saying you are being communicated with by a creature that is energy-based and that is represented by a light mm. in the sky. So you see the light first and then everything follows after that. Ivan Sanderson also mm -hmm. was of the belief that the light was the fundamental part of the phenomena. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, you know, as I was watching that, I was like, John Keel was talking about that. You know, my husband's like, shh, shh, shh she's talking. <laughs> I love that. I love that because like, again, going back to what I was saying earlier about the fact that I had been into UFOs for years and I had never, ever, ever seen anyone even hint at the lights being like this before, but there were people, Ivan S. Sanderson and, and John Keel who were thinking this stuff way before why haven't I heard this? Why, why isn't this being more commonly shared? It's like people shun it for some reason and they get so upset and it's like they just kind of pretend that information doesn't exist. And it's so frustrating because I feel, you know, I've, I haven't ever seen aliens or anything like that, but I'm not going to say, but I know a lot of people who really, truly, truly believe that they have. And who am I really to say that they haven't? And so if I keep an open mind about that, I have considered if the lights are energy and we are energy too, you know, that's how our brain works. Um, how, how, why wouldn't they be able to, to manipulate our brain in a certain way? But then at that point they would have to know what part of the brain to, to play with to get us to see certain things. I mean, there's so many interesting considerations there. And, and something I'd like to mention, and I'm glad that I you made me think of this because I wanted to mention it before on other podcasts, but I never did. The information that I gave in that film and the information I give on my Facebook group, Lights in the Sky, is so vast and so overwhelming and so consistent, yet... I have yet to see, even within myself, any sort of real, genuine collection of what these ideas are and trying to really actually understand them. It's kind of like, oh, here's that thing again, and it's doing this behavior yet again. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And then you move on. And it's like, no, like we, we need to like slow down yeah. and we need to like pick that apart. And, and it's not happening. And I kind of was hoping that documentary, like my number one goal with this film was not, I mean, I, I made it for free on YouTube for a first. I mean, my sole purpose was to share the information. I was not trying to become, you know, rich or anything. And by the way, it's not a way to make money. So whoever thinks I did for the money <laughs> is ignorant <laughs> to how much documentary filmmakers actually make. Um, um, I was hoping that it would get people thinking, which I think it did. I know it did because they emailed me and told me, um, but I haven't really seen too much other research into the possibilities. And I wish there was because I do not have enough time to do it myself. 
Yeah. I wish I did, but I just, I just don't. And I feel like there's a lot of weight on my shoulders to do it. I have people sending me all these videos all the time, asking me all these questions. And I have, I considered this and it's like, yeah, you know, but I can't do this by myself. You know, it's a lot. Right. And I think that's why I'm so kind of frustrated, I guess, about all these people who love UFOs as much as I do, but they're looking over there and they're not, their backs are turned to the evidence that I'm presenting. They won't even look at it or acknowledge its existence. So if I can't even get those people to to take it seriously and to help me figure it out, then I'm just, I'm lost, you know, I'm alone and it's, it sucks. See, I, I think there's more people out there that, that think of it in a bigger pers- perspective than, than you know of. Okay. Um, but you're right. There are a huge number of the very nutsy boltsy. Yeah. Um, very there, you know, UFO equals uh, space aliens. You know, that's what it is. Um, or it it's it's government conspiracy, or you know, all of that rabbit hole falling down into business. Mm. That I'm not saying there is no possibility that that some of it might be aliens. I'm not saying that. I mean, we don't know where these energy balls are coming from, although I tend to think that they have been here all along. Um, You know, there, there's so many accounts that fall in line with this from history that I can't just go, Oh, uh, nah, they just got here. Um, That's not how it works. They sure Um, like our cows, lips and eyeballs though. We know that much. I know. <laughs> Although Morgana has been doing research on cow's lips and eyeballs. I, I have. Um, it has been somewhat paused because I went back to college in the middle of it. Um, and, and they don't want to hear about the cows. No, although I am in an occult class, so I might be able to work it in there at some point. Nice. <laughs> um, I, there is an astonishing amount of lights in the skies seen around cattle mutilation sites. There's also an astonishing amount of unidentified helicopters, Mm. (laughs) which is my favorite thing that goes along with it. Um, Because there's, you know, all that seeing an unidentified helicopter just spawns theories of, well, it's people coming in the helicopter, landing in the field, doing the thing. Yeah. But you're you're getting the unidentified helicopters in conjunction with unidentified lights in the sky. And then I go back to Kiel. Are people seeing the light? And then the light is going, ah, actually, no, I don't really feel like dealing with you trying to figure out what I am. So I'm going to look like a helicopter now. Or are there actually unidentified dudes in helicopters running around in cattle mutilation sites doing something hinky, especially since a lot of these are clustering near nuclear sites, Yeah, which is another thing. Cause there's that theory that is floating around that they're doing, the government is doing testing to see about some kind of contaminant, which I don't know how much that could be possible or not. I don't know enough about, cattle mutilation at this time to say what it is. And it's also like everything else in the weird world where it could be 
it's equally likely it's five different things or it's a sixth thing that none of us have thought of yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I said earlier that I felt like I was kind of alone on this search, which I'm not lying. I do kind of feel that way, but I also know that's not necessarily true because, um, you know, there are filmmakers who like Scott DeShane, who I interviewed for my podcast, um, who I think has amazing um, ideas about the lights in the sky and is really going out of his way to really figure it out instead of just like going, Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? But like actually going boots on the ground, looking at the research, looking at the data, trying to figure it out like a, like a scientist, you know? And so I, I think, um, I kind of think that's what I was referring to earlier, but how much, how much, I don't know. He and I were talking and I've just been so busy and I was thinking about reaching out to him and doing it because I haven't really responded back, but having some sort of group or organization where we come together and because there is a science group now that studies um, UAP, Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, which um, I am a part of officially. Um, but um, I mean, it is what it is. I don't care. If, I'm, I'm not talking bad about them or anything like that, but they are very, very much a very specific demographic in that group. And, um, that they all have pretty much the exact same belief and they actually already believe that that belief is true. And so they already know the answer, um, which sucks because how are we supposed to actually figure, I mean, why are we even trying to figure it out if you guys already know? I mean, why are we even here? Um, and so, so frustrating for me when I finally felt like I was going to be with people who, weren't afraid to look at it. And then I have someone like Scott DeShane get on there and, you know, they just, I mean, honestly, they, they, they call us stupid. You know, how could we possibly know? Like, how could we, I mean, stupid wasn't the word. It was more of a um, passive way of saying it, but it was definitely known. And that's just frustrating and it's, it's, it's disheartening and it's like, gosh, you know, so maybe, maybe some sort of group would be good. Yeah, I think so. I think scientists need to team up with people like you, documentarians, who need to team up with historians and psychologists. And it needs to be an interdisciplinary group. And it needs to be undertaken with a lot of care for paying attention to what the data is saying and also extremely open-mindedness. And being able to have everybody talk about every theory that could possibly apply, no matter how crazy it sounds, without being shut down and saying, no, we think it's this, so you can't be right. Like, that's not a good spirit of scientific inquiry. Yeah, ironically enough. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not how we do science. It's, it's not. Well, it just made me think about it. You were t- go, go, well, we were just talking about... um the cattle mutilation and I, you know, Scott and I were talking about how the cattle mutilation, you know, the lips, the eyeballs, the genitalia, that's soft tissue, which is typically eaten by insects. Um, and he believes that they're biological creatures in the sky. I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm open to it. I don't know. Um, but a part of me is like, gosh, could you imagine if there really are like, like creatures and we're just like bottom feeders? <laughs> on the earth (laughs) like that's so mind-blowing yet we have reason to believe i know i didn't just sit up in the corner and make this up one day like you know i was led to this Mm -hmm. idea which is just mind-blowing i don't think we i don't think anyone could possibly understand how little we know i mean really you know it's crazy 
Well, there's there's the the idea of them being insectoid. There's there's other you know bits and pieces that can fit into that. Uh, the buzzing sound that comes mm-hmm. along with um, either a UFO UAP sighting or a sighting of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's buzzing then too. Um, the the humming and buzzing sound that happens when you have a near-death experience and you see lights. Mm-hmm. Demonic, this- medieval demonic experiences Demons. had the buzzing and the humming that was associated with Beelzebub mm. and demonic voices. Okay, so something else that no one ever talks about are the insect shapes. And I know I really put myself out there vulnerably to, to, to even share it. I mean, what kind of person would I be if I'm looking at this video and I see this like perfect insect shape symmetrical on two separate videos? And I was like, you know what? I don't think anybody needs to know this. I'm keeping it to myself. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? like I had to share it and completely risk people thinking that I'm just out of my mind. Um, But it's right there. But it's there. It's, I mean, are they thinking that you added to it and made it look that way? They think it's some sort of digital artifact. But here's the thing. It's Christmas lights. That's common with lights in the sky. The the drone people of Colorado on a news channel video program said, Christmas lights, Christmas lights. This video is of Christmas lights in the sky. Zoomed all the way out, wasn't even zoomed in yet. You see just these random flashes all throughout the sky, but there's nothing there. All I did was zoom in on one of these flashing lights, and there were these like symmetrical insects. Like, okay, it's a digital artifact. I have looked at every single digital artifact known to man, and I cannot find anything that does that. And it's so frustrating. They're like, oh, yeah, totally digital artifact. It's like, okay, can you can you show me the digital artifact you're referring to? No, no, I can't, but it's totally a digital artifact. And it's like, okay, I just I don't think you are helping here. This isn't they just don't want it to be really cool giant energy bugs, which is weird because if they are flashing on and off, I immediately think fireflies. Mm-hmm. And bioluminescence is a form of communication and camouflage and defense. Yeah. Um, I was read an, read an article recently where scientists were saying that they're looking for life on exoplanets, far, far off solar systems. Mm-hmm. And they think they're looking specifically for bioluminescence because they think these creatures on these other planets would be bioluminescent as a, as a form of protection from ultraviolet rays. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It fits perfectly. The only question with, the bioluminescent creature things in our atmosphere is they are um, they just don't follow. Like sometimes they, they fly by themselves and they're little worms. And then sometimes they fly in formation and it's like, are they loners? And when they turn off, where do they go? Are they still there? Have they dispersed into the ether? Um, why the Christmas lights? Why the, the different, I personally have never seen any sort of shape before. I've heard stories about triangular crafts, but I've never seen any video of it at all. Um, I know the Condine report, they said um, they tend to leave out the witness accounts of the Phoenix lights of the ones that said that they had binoculars and that they thought they were separate 
lights, that they were not connected. But I think the formation gave the illusion of it being in a solid craft and people just ran with it. Um, And there's no good footage for me to analyze. So, I mean, really, that's just going to be what it is at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you talk with very many people who see small lights closer to the ground? Never. Like, Never. I don't know a oh. single person who, who's into this stuff well, at all. I mean, in, in my real life, you know, like people I can like actually see, um, nobody cares. It's crazy. Let alone actually <laughs> see stuff. You know what I mean? Oh. Oh. I wish I did. Well, you've got. You've got three of us. I know. It's so nice. I mean, it's just seen the little guy. I was like, I could so see us hanging out, having a glass of wine and just chilling. It would be so much fun. (laughs) You know, one, I've been, I've been toying around with and, and doing a a literate literature review of people who see lights in the woods, Mm. you know, the, the smaller ones closer to the ground. Um, and sometimes they're seen in conjunction with the larger ones up in the sky. Um, and I had no idea how common that was, but it is apparently quite common. Mm-hmm. I, I was completely blissfully unaware of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that's what I've been looking at. Um, and recently, uh, both Morgana and I have caught photographs of lights that we've seen. Hers was in the sky. Mine was in the woods. And, you know, it's one of those things. We have these photographs. Have we put it on the website? No. Why? Because it proves nothing except that there are lights that have real live photons that, that actually can interact with a digital camera. Mm-hmm. So Which is it nice. Is. It's so nice to actually have a picture of something I've seen and been like, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> exactly. It proves to us things, but it doesn't prove anything to anybody else. It proves to us that, yes, we're seeing something that's physically actually there. Something is interacting with our retinas. It's not in our brains. It's in our retinas. And uh, they look different on camera than they do in real life. And I, I, I love the idea of like, okay, now we got to figure out where the difference is. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. is it, is it the brain's interpretation? Is it the sensitivity of the retina versus the sensitivity of the digital camera? What, what, so what did you see um, in real life with your naked eye? Okay. Well, Morgana, you, you I'll go first. Um, I was out walking my dog and this was the year we decided to start the podcast. And part of why we decided to start the podcast was weird stuff was happening with increasing frequency, um, both in our life. And like, it seemed like there was a bit of a wave of just weirdness going on. There was a recent, this was the year that cattle mutilations were starting to pop up more frequently in Oregon. Um, and there were more UFO sightings and, you know, just little stuff like that. Like Reddit exploded with people for the first time ever being like, oh my God, I saw a gnome. I don't know what to do with this. A gnome. (laughs) Yes. Stuff like that. People seeing gnomes, people seeing shadow people. Um, 
anomalous voices, just all kinds of stuff. I had my friend group. Um, one of my friends had a flock of birds run into her house one day. Mm. Um, and, you know, other friends were having repetitive prophetic dreams and just weird stuff was on the rise. Poltergeist activity. Poltergeist activity kicked back up um, in my house. But that just happens randomly. Just at times. Like my sink will turn on by itself sometimes. Stuff like that. Little things. Nothing like super scary. Not Amityville horror level yeah. of messed up. That's pretty creepy though. Like anyway. the walls don't bleed. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't fun. Um, but I was out walking the dog and... I looked up and there were two glisteningly bright red lights about 50 feet, 50 to 100 feet above my head wow. that were small. Um, and they were, they looked circular like, and I immediately dragged the dog back in the house to get my camera because I had forgotten repeatedly to take pictures of things I had seen in the sky lately. And I snapped a picture of one. And as I was taking the picture of one, the second one dropped down, dimmed, and went out. Okay. And then I got two pictures of the one that was a little higher in the sky before it also just dimmed and went out. Mm. Um, and what they looked like were prismatically brilliant red-orange little balls of light that were emitting light around them and what they looked like on the camera was a dull orange red blob mm. yeah they weren't spherical on the camera they were one looked like a bare footprint almost interesting like of a bare foot without the toes like are distinguished yeah yeah sort of a kidney bean shape yeah it looked like a kidney bean basically so i've seen a lot of those types of lights before and i feel like the fact that it goes out and then disappears like it fades out and kind of lowers down to yeah. the ground makes me think it's ionized gas and a lot of a lot of those um sightings the lights don't indicate any form of intelligence so i can't help but wonder if they are completely different not completely different obviously a similar phenomena um, but why don't those ones seem smart, but the other ones do? Exactly. I don't know. Um, the smaller ones that I've seen closer to the ground do occasionally, I don't know if they're exhibiting intelligence, but they seem to exhibit curiosity. Yes, yes, exactly. Because they'll bob closer to me. It, once I see one, Yeah. I've had one bob closer to me on the porch, like on my back deck. And then, like, I look at it too hard and it zips off. Oh, I'm so jealous. Like, Why do you get to see him all the time? I so don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out why me and my mom and, like, our extended family, it just, it seems to run in the family. Hmm. I see that's something else that needs to be said. It, I mean, it really does. Right. Like we need to get all these people together because there's multiple people I know of who see them almost every night. They're just constantly the same people sharing the videos over and over and over again. And then you have people like me who never see them at all. And I'm like, you know, it's crazy. And then there's um, the fact that they're fairly commonly seen here in Athens. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, the first time I saw them was what, 25, 26 years ago. 
said about how long Kendra it's about that. Yeah. And uh, our whole friend group was seeing them um, in different parts of the county. And uh, it it's wild. It's they do act intelligent. They do show. Um, I would say discernment, you know, curiosity. Um, I think they tease people. Mm-hmm. Sound like fairies, uh, doesn't it? That's yeah. What that's what we said they were. You know, that's what we kind of decided they were. We needed to give them a name. I mean, the first name we gave them were the um nothings <laughs> because uh, one of our friends had been seeing them out on the hill behind his house, and his dad came over to fix the sink, and his dad looks out the kitchen window and he's like, "Hey, Bob, what are those those little lights out there?" Oh, um, nothing, Dad. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And so we started calling them the um nothings because we thought that was funny. Um, but then we we decided they acted like, you know, fairy lights, willow the wisps. Yeah. And, and then we started seeing, you know, other things that led us to believe that. But what if that was our minds putting a shape to something that was really just a light? Mm, I think so. I think we, I think mythologies are there, you know, for us trying to to figure out the unknown. I think the question at that point is like, okay, so a lot of the fun with paranormal people who like looking into the cyber stuff is the unknown. And they don't, I think they kind of secretly, maybe subconsciously don't want to know the answer because then it takes away the fun, takes away the mystery. Um, So if we say, well, we know what they are, they're intelligent plasma life forms that we've been kind of giving nicknames throughout the eons and uh yeah they're there and they're curious but you know they're not here to you know take us to hell or you know implant us with chips whatever you know well that's not very fun no no no, no. bill gates is gonna do that (laughs) bill gates is the chip implanter that's his job well, if we have an answer, what will we threaten our children with? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's nothing to carry you off into the woods. <laughs> but I think, you know, and so the question is really at that point, do they have any sort of quantifiable or qu- qualitative effect on human lives other than, oh, interesting, like another bug? You know, do are they are they better than us in some ways? Are they more aware of us in some ways? I I'm of the camp that they were here long before we were, and they're going to be here long after we're gone. Um, we're just another little interesting species to them, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're more with it than we are. You know, they could be, you know, just like an insect. You know, uh, insects are I think conscious, right? I think I would define it as conscious. Um, but are they interacting with our lives? Not really. I mean, here's, here's another interesting concept I've thought of before is we all hear of like the struggle of life, how we all kind of need each other to survive on this planet. Um, if we are brothers and sisters really of earth with these other lights, what impact do they have in that circle? Where are they? Do we need them in some unknown way to, to be here, to survive? Um, do they need us? for some reason that we don't know. There's just so many, so, so many questions and yeah, I don't even know if they're ever going to be able to be answered. How could they be? Right. I, I sound a little kooky, mm-hmm. 
when I when I talk about this, but I do think one of the impacts they've had on us has been religion mm. as just a way to try and explain what these things are. These most religions have something to do with shining beings that come from the sky mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or descend from a light, just a simple light. And I think the combination of living plasma interacting with humans and then somehow our brains shaping that plasma has given rise to a lot of religion and tons of superstition. And I think if they, if they serve a purpose for humans, it might be to catalyze imagination, Mm -hmm. which is really woo woo. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. No, don't apologize. I mean, we're talking about UFOs, right? I mean, we're already all in the woo-woo camp, I think, at this point. That's true. But imagination, to me, seems to be a very important survival trait of the human species, and maybe that they help catalyze that for us. What we do for them, I have no clue. Maybe they eat our energy. Maybe they just think we're fun to mess with. Maybe they're just going about their business, and we happen to interact with them, and we happen to have a reaction to their energy field. Have you seen, I did a a presentation for Boulder XO. Have you guys seen that by chance? Mm -mm. Maybe not. Okay. No, you had, I do recommend watching it. Um, It's kind of long, so you can skip through it. I talk about fairies and things like that, but at the very end of this presentation I gave, I show a video that a guy shared with me. I can't remember his name. He's not far from you guys, I don't think, somewhere somewhere not far from Ohio. And he was freaking out, and he's a born-again Christian after seeing this. And it's the craziest thing, and it's one of those videos where it's like, how is this not more popular? I don't know. But he caught a video of a silhouette of a light, a light that looked like it was a silhouette of a human with wings. But when you zoom in on it, it's not any sort of biological creature, it's pure, beautiful dancing shades of plasma color, but in the shape of a human with wings. And then it look, it sees him, it moves forward really quickly. It flies away. It comes flying back into the screen. It seems very aware of him. He had been playing with this thing thing for a while. He swears up and down that it was a female that he saw. And that's very common. A lot of the people who see these lights, they send me videos are like, there's a human face and it's staring at me. It's right there. Or it looks like a woman. I know it has long hair and it's wearing a dress. And I see the light and I'm like, I don't see any of that. You know what I mean? But for but they know they, they see it. So I think mm-hmm. that's interesting. Are they just kind of expecting to see it? Um, you think so? No, it's, I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's the how much of your what you perceive is what you expect to perceive. I agree. I do agree. And they get and a lot of people get really, really um, offended with me. I had one guy recently. It's died down a lot. Thank God. I'm gonna. I had no idea that the large ninety percent of my work with this film was after the film came out. The amount of emails that I got. Um, I'm thankful because those people were affected enough to feel the need to reach out to me, but I was just too much. It was just too much for me. It just was just completely overwhelming. And then I get video after video after video of this little tiny white dot in a black sky. And there's, you know, yeah, I can't, 
I can't make anything out of that. Yeah. It's just a dot. Yeah. And the last guy I told that to, he got so – he started, like, trolling me and, like, leaving just oh, no. all these – he was so mad at me. And a lot of people get really oh. mad at me when I tell them I can't see anything. with everybody. I was like, you want me to lie? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> well, that's – and that's the thing is, you know, when the lights don't look like they do to your eyes on the video mm. – because I had never even, I mean, back 26 years ago, we didn't take pictures because we didn't have, you know, digital cameras in our pockets all the time, you know, because there weren't any. And you had to have film in your camera and then you had to get it. Nobody had time for that. You know, we'd see it. And also you see stuff and then you just stop because that's an impossible thing floating, you know, past your head or, you know. Yeah. dancing around in your yard that's not possible you're so you just rearranging your sense of reality to think to pull something <laughs> out <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and or you run into the house to get it and you come back and so. and they've you know they've flown away or done whatever you know disappeared and so i never thought to take a, a photograph until like the spring and then i did and again they did not look the same mm. um but it wasn't just a little tiny pinpoint either. The, the very first time I thought about taking a photograph is I had taken to um, when I was watching things in the, in the woods is I would just hold up my camera with it on to see if I could see it through the camera and, you know, with my eyes. So, you know, I'd be playing this game of, uh, up and down and sideways and and they would look the same through the camera but then I would take the photograph even with the flash off and it always changed it usually bleached the color out mm. I'm not the only person that that's happened to um, Tim Renner and Chad Redding from the um, Strange Familiars podcast see lights in the woods a lot in a couple of different places and they photographed it and almost always the color is gone when they photograph it. Right. That's a big problem with, is contrast. Um, it, and yeah. I, you know, you have to say a lot of people, they want to zoom in on it, but when you do a, a digital zoom, you, you're, it's going to be, it's just going to be flipping all over the place. And I'm not going to be able yeah, yeah. you, you have to stay zoomed out as much as possible. Don't try to follow it. Just hold it zoomed out. Um, it's amazing what you can do with editing zooming in that way. Right. Um, it helps maintain the pixel count. And it also helps to have something in the frame, like a tree or a pole. Mm -hmm. If you send me a white dot, even if you're still, if there's nothing to refer to, it's unfortunately kind of wasted data. There's nothing I can do with that at all. Right. You need something to, to ref a reference point to figure out maybe distance or scale or anything yeah. you can't just take it of a blank sky and hope for the best it just doesn't work well some people do i you know i i saw some videos a while ago about this guy who would set up his camera and the right in the shade of his house right where the sun was coming over the roof of his house so that it was like perfectly like coming in sideways the light so it would kind of like anything passing through it would glisten and he would just film it 
and then go through and slow it down. And he was able to capture all these things that he wasn't able to see with his naked eye. And apparently that's pretty common. I've always wanted to try it, but I haven't. Um, I think I'm more of a in front of the computer research kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I've considered um, getting a trail cam or two and and putting it, you know, on the back of the house facing up into the woods and then one up in our woods. And I'm superstitious and I'm like, yeah, mom, don't make them mad. Yeah, I know. Whatever they are, just don't make (laughs) them mad. When I first started researching this, this guy reached out to me and he was like, I have this video. Can you look at it for me? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, um, and it was him and three friends that he had, and they were all doing some sort of seance. And so I had never done a seance, anything, not since I was like seven, right? <laughs> and um, they started saying this weird language. I don't know what they were saying. And then this light comes in. And I was like, okay, is it a dust? I've, the skeptics up being like, all the orbs right. are dust. And it's like, dust oh, mode. God, just hush. You don't, like, come on. <laughs> so this dust like flew around his leg and then up between his ankles and then up and around him again. Like dust doesn't do that. Right. Right. And so he goes, you need to do this. You need to do this. I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I'm going to email you the seance. And I was like, I'm not going to do a seance. What does this mean? I don't even know what I'm saying. And he was like, Oh, don't be afraid. It'll be fine. I was like, no. I'm like, I I'm know. like you, Morgana. I'm like, I'm not taking chances right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I have enough weird in my life without poking it. Yeah, and my kids would yeah. just be just mortified. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and when you have kids in the house, doing things like that is just not. Not okay. Have you ever done anything like that? Uh, seance? Not since I was, yeah like 18 or 19 Did anything happen? an actual science um we were using a ouija board and we were doing it blindfolded um a friend of mine kept getting this entity who who called himself saul s-a-u-l mm. and i was like huh i wonder if you know who who is this guy he's like yeah who who would be named saul i'm like well there's saul paulus of tarsus but i don't think he's you know hanging out in your ouija board um because you know St. Paul's got other things to do yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um but uh you know and there's King Saul and uh he did go and talk to the witch of Endor so you know he might hang out in a in a wage board for all I know. And he had never heard of either of those. So I thought that was interesting because um he never read the Bible so he he was a heathen. So uh So so you're into witch stuff, right? You guys are into which stuff? Oh, yeah. So for the past two weeks, I've been waking up like clockwork at 3.30 in the morning. So I was doing research on it, and there were, like, all these Reddit and Quora posts about it being the witching hour. And what do you think about that? I'm like, maybe it's just my liver. I don't know. That's what the Chinese medicine <laughs> thinks. But it's so weird. And it's getting to the point where I wake up, and I'm like, I'm wide awake. I feel good. I'm not stressed out. I'm not, like, anxious or anything. I'm just ready to start my day. And I know it's 3.30. outside and looked up? No, I should, though, probably. Mm-hmm. I just get so lazy I in the middle of the night. I don't want to move. I understand. <laughs> I was going to say, 
Three th- is it 330 or 333? It's not 333. 33 is my lucky number. Um, I see that a yeah. lot. I'd like to talk to you maybe about that too, if you have any information about that. It's not really lights yeah. in the sky-ish. I mean, maybe it is. Gosh, what if all these things are connected? Yeah. Um, 330 is technically the witching hour. It is also a time when weird things apparently happen. Um, and And I've had, you know, stuff happen around the house at around 330. So... Yeah, um, it could be, it could be. But anyway, the the seance that we did, uh, we were both blindfolded and I asked um, if it could speak in Latin mm. and it started spelling out in Latin. Um, but, you know, I was blindfolded, so I couldn't tell where it was. They also had moved the Ouija board around and they'd move it around after every question. So we couldn't memorize where the letters were that was a little weird i didn't like it we didn't do it again yeah i watched (laughs) this crazy documentary recently i wish i remember the name of it um you guys would probably love it it's like three hours long some some like priest affiliated with some church took it upon himself to obsessively research magicians And he collected amazing footage and made an amazing argument that magicians have basically just sold their souls to the devil. And (laughs) I remember once seeing this magician um, and it was one of those things where they like throw glitter in the air and when the glitter lands, like their entire outfits changed. And I just sat in the crowd and I was so uncomfortable and we got up to go. It was their finale. And uh, the guy I was with was like, do you want to go meet them? It's like a meet and greet. And I was like, no, I want to get out of here. Like I'm genuinely <laughs> freaked out right now. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and so when it comes to near death experiences and the connection with the lights in the sky, I'm not religious, but I am totally open to that kind of stuff. And gosh, you know, what if, what if there is a form of good and evil? Like what if there is truth to selling your soul? Like the things that these magicians are doing I mean, maybe I'll find it and then send it to you and maybe put it in the the description or something because it really is such an interesting documentary. It's free. Um, It's freaky. And there's no explanation for it at all. And they even say that they've made pacts with the devil and they have like upside down pentagrams and, you know, devils um, whispering in their ears and stuff. I don't know. What What do you guys think about something like that? Well... I know that if I was a stage magician, I'd tell somebody that whether I had or not. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a trickster. Make it more interesting. It's true. I, I think there is a very long and detailed history of people supposedly selling themselves to the devil, but also an equally long and detailed history of people doing rights to sell themselves to the devil for money or fame or glory or power. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of those questions, you know, I'm in an occult class and we're, we just did, um, witchcraft, not Wicca, but like the old con- conceptualization of witchcraft as servants of the devil. Okay. And like there being black masses and Sabbaths and things. And okay, so you know, if just, some... just really quick, my, out of my ignorance, the original witches were not good. Is that what you said? There was a conception of early European witchcraft, which was bad. Like think Salem witch trials, okay. witches. Okay. 
Um, there's that tradition of witchcraft, which isn't really a tradition of witchcraft that was possibly practiced necessarily, um, but it was this conception of what witchcraft was. Okay. Um, it, there was, it was the, it was the church. Yeah, the it was church. the church's idea yeah. of what witchcraft, witchcraft was. was. Okay. Um, there's also totally, definitely real, like, black magic in the world. There are plenty of recorded spells that are like curses and not happy things yep. that totally existed. Um, but there was a lot of uh, evidence that accounts of things like Sabbath, Black Sabbaths and witch Sabbaths being places where you made packs with the devil was, you know, people being tortured and saying this. So <laughs> I would tell I would tell an inquisitor a lot to make them uh, stop putting yeah. me on the rack. Yeah. But there's also a lot of ceremonial magic that totally does involve making pacts with with non-human human entities entities for that power are and demonic or angelic or whatnot. I mean, and there was also Solomon. The, there were also the folk magic people the cunning men and women yes who, who were totally fairy real folk. as well yeah they were they were the ones who were more like actual witches um but yeah. so i think it could be 50 50 i think that there probably are people who sell their souls to the devil whether or not it works i have no idea and what does the devil even mean you know i mean exactly well, yeah. personified it but what what is it really and then it brings you back to these invisible light beings that we're seeing. You know, they can make themselves invisible. Exactly. Um, and you know that one that one um, video I was telling you about of the the silhouette light that looked humanoid almost. Um, the witness said he felt like it was um, what was the word he used? Not attacking him, but kind of like warning him, kind of like scolding him. Like he got some like and he he had this very genuine negative feeling that the light was annoyed and irritated with him. It's the craziest thing. You guys have to see that video. It is so weird. But it's one of those things yeah. too where you just kind of like, yeah, that's amazing. And I don't know what to think of. I don't know what to think. And that goes back to what I said earlier about how people see the video, they see the documentary, and they go, That's crazy. I can't explain it. But I also don't know what to think. And so I just won't. And I don't blame them because I'm the same way too. But how do we get over that? How can we possibly get over that? Is it possible to get over it? I mean, just continue having podcasts, podcasts about it. I don't, I mean, is that enough? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think these things help, right? Cause it gets, it gets that information out. It gets people to think. It builds a community. And gets people thinking. Um, um, even then. It does, it does break down stigma as well. You know, because there are people who experience these things once and then nothing else ever happens or twice and nothing else ever happens. And then there are people who experience it over and over. And honestly, most most people who experience these things get told they're crazy by their family or their friends or their coworkers or their doctors or whatever. So, you know, part of the the reason that we started this was to basically come out of the experiencer closet and go, Hey, um, these things happen. And you know, you guys who, who experience it, you're not alone. 
It's it, these things happen. Do we know what they are? No. Do we have answers? Not really. We have ideas. We have thoughts, but you know, we don't have answers yet, but I think just having people look at what they experience and try to recount what they experience without as much determination as to what it is. Mm -hmm, exactly. But recount it so that you can get data from it and then ask why it is. I think the most important question about UFOs isn't what they are. It is why they are. Why do we see them and why does it affect us like this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that now that we can at least talk about UFOs and, you know, out in public and we have some scientists who are willing to look at them, maybe we could get some psychologists and sociologists and anthropologists and religious studies people like Jeffrey Kripal um, and Diana Pasalkis looking at these things and figuring out why they affect humans the way they do and have people who've studied literature and art to look at it as well and music because Sometimes these lights cause people to make art or music or write a poem or write a story. Mm. And why? I think that's, you know, that's the, the philosophical question is why. Maybe that's what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be inspiring people. I don't like saying things like this either because just to be honest, when people come and they say, um, I, and again, I might be wrong. I'm, I, I, I really do strive to have an open mind. Anything is possible. But I would also be lying if I said when people come to me and they say, I see the lights because I was chosen by God to be a messenger. You know, and yeah. I just personally, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable with that. I don't think that's necessarily true. But at the same time, I kind of get what they're talking about because when I found the lights in the sky, of course, I, in out of their podcast, I've mentioned this and it's worth repeating, I suppose. I like had so much adrenaline that I couldn't really sleep. I totally would just forget to eat. Like I never forget to eat, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was all I could think about. And it, it really truly felt that making the documentary that it wasn't me. <laughs> I know that sounds so crazy, but it's true. <laughs> I felt like I was just being used. Um, and I knocked it out in six weeks and I don't even know how I did it. Um, it was like, and it was weird too, because I was never at a point to where I was like, oh, I don't know what to say next. I don't know, you know, what should I research now to, to meet the time for a future film? You know, it was more like the answers just kept falling in my lap and all I had to do was put it down, you know, like get it out. It was the craziest feeling. Um, but it was also kind of beautiful too feeling like I was just mm -hmm. kind of being used, but um, I don't know. I see it. And now I'm going back to how I feel like I'm a messenger of God and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like thinking like that. And so I don't know. It's, it's a strange dissonance there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I Go ahead. Morgana. 
I I don't know. Uh, I think part of the discomfort of being a messenger of God is one, are they God? Two, is God my bro? Because God's <laughs> not my bro. <laughs> so I feel very weird. I would feel super weird about being a messenger from anything bigger than myself. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. I think about when I hear what you say, I don't think about messengers from God. I think about muses. Okay. I think about the the Greek muses and being divinely inspired, not as exactly as this is from God or from a God, but just some greater thing giving you a greater consciousness, a, a greater consciousness, giving some sort of artistic inspiration to to create great art which is something that the greeks would pray for greek artists and sculptors and you know Poets. writers and thinkers would pray to the muses for that kind of inspiration that you got yeah it was and amazing light was it often was involved and what was that light was often light was often involved in the inspiration process really how so um uh the the muses were daimon that was the the name that the greek word daimon means something that is intermediary between human and god so they're bigger than humans they have a bigger consciousness than humans they generally don't have bodies um they are you know able to have bodies but their natural form is some sort of energy and they bring messages message, messages between gods and humans um but they also inspire humans and when inspiration would come to a poet or a sculptor often they would say that that it was a light that struck them the light of inspiration um there were also um Poets who would say that the muses, because they were um, under the influence of the god Apollo, brought with them the same light that Apollo had. And again, Apollo was essentially made of light. And that's another thing that Keel talks about in the Eighth Tower, is he talks about the light of inspiration. And he talks about how being bathed with light you become illuminated and that's when you understand things. And of course, because we're human and while we're alive, our consciousness is, is limited. So we can hold that illumination, that enlightenment for a short period of time. And then it goes away um, slowly or quickly. And, and that's why the Buddhists say before enlightenment, eat your rice, wash your bowl. After enlightenment, eat your rice, wash your bowl. Mm -hmm. That, you know, but you're changed, but you are not going to understand 
everything mm. while you're still, as the Buddhists would say, while you're still on the wheel of karma and you're still being reborn, you're not going to know everything, but you can taste it. You can feel it. You're still human. The light. Yeah, but you're still human. I, you know, after once that film was made, I really literally collapsed. I mean, like it was like I had just finished running the longest marathon of my life and like not just physically, but mentally my brain just like could I like I was done and it took months of me kind of just doing nothing um, because I, I was like it took everything out of me. It was insane. I had never had anything um, like that before. Something, something too that's interesting. I haven't ever said this before because to me, I kind of get embarrassed saying these things. I, I guess I have also have a fear that saying it is going to ruin my credibility in some way. <laughs> but uh, and which, <clears throat> you know, I have to consider because I already have people who who think that you know the lights are helicopters. But I, um, when I was a teenager, I was just absolutely living in hell, um, hell on earth. I was absolutely miserable, and. Um, I grew up in kind of an agnostic home and I was just so desperate. So I went to, I was living in Mississippi at the time, um, not from there. Um, and I just went to the closest church, which happened to be Southern Baptist. And uh, I just decided that I needed something bigger than myself. So I got baptized and became extremely, extremely religious, like Bible thumper, could not have a conversation without talking about Jesus, right? <laughs> um and uh, that kind of faded because I started, you know, doing education and, and and learning more about the world and mythology and things like that. I'm still very spiritual and I appreciate for, you know, religion for what it is. But there was this point in my life where for some reason I, I, I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I remember in my mind and in my heart having this very serious conversation with whatever is out there. And I said, please use me for whatever you need. And I just want to do your bidding, which sounds very Christian, but I wasn't Christian at the time. I'm not now, but um, I meant it. And so sometimes I wonder if that was, you know, if I, if I had years, and that was years, years, years ago. Um, so I guess it took years for it to pay off. I'm not sure, but. And you were talking about 33 earlier, and this is another, I keep rambling, but this is interesting. When I, About that same time when I decided that I'd, it was either kill myself or change my life. And I decided I would just change my life, uh, probably the best route. And I started seeing this number everywhere and it started freaking me out a little bit. And um, it was a number 33. And I had never been into numerology. I had never been into anything like that. And uh, I researched it, and when I saw what 33 meant, it just flipped my world upside down. Um, so to this day, it's kind of my lucky number, and whenever I see it, I kind of feel like it's the invisible world telling me I'm on the right path or something. I don't know, but you mentioned it earlier, mm -hmm. so I was kind of curious to pick your brain about it. Well, the road you take to get to Athens – is route 33. 33. What? I did not know that. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that's, that's, that's how you get here. That's crazy. <laughs> From points west. Yeah. I'm yep. going to have to look into that. Yep. At that so, same time, yeah. I was really into astrology and this was in my space was still popular. 
And I was very lonely. Oh, yeah. I, I was so lonely at the time. I didn't have any friends at all. So I spent, you know, my time just perusing MySpace. And um, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but you can kind of like personalize your MySpace page with music and color and like text and stuff. Oh, and yeah. then there's this, there this one little section where you would put your astrology sign. And I was the kind of person for years where I would meet you, have no idea. I would never remember your name, but you know I would remember your astrology astrological sign and nice. I was kind of I was like am I you know is this really a thing or am I just losing it whatever so I decided to do my own little experiment I got on MySpace and I would look at everything that I was given this information on this MySpace page and nine out of ten times I would correctly guess their zodiac sign I was able to do it at parties it would freak people out it freaked me out nice. but that is you know not socially acceptable behavior and so after, <laughs> no, generally not, <laughs> especially when you join the army, I was 18 years old and I had to escape oh, Mississippi. Wow. So I joined the army and soldiers don't really care about astrology. So I learned to kind of bite my tongue <laughs> about that. And yeah. I actually, you know, truth is I lost it. I can't do it anymore. Oh, yeah. Man. But I firmly believe that I used to be able to, you know, so I think there's definitely, mm-hmm. and this is all going back to this unseen reality that I think that we're kind of immersed and just constantly and mm-hmm. we're you know, we're so different than any other creature on the planet it just doesn't make sense why are we yeah. the way that we are and why are we so sad and miserable all of us i mean like mental health is a yeah. huge epidemic and we're all just struggling mm-hmm. to get through the next day you know what i mean this is kind of a downer but it's true I- on the mental health thing, I think we evolved technologically quicker than our brains could cope. I think yeah. that's part of it. Mm. Is we we just moved so quickly and we made an industrial revolution and then we made a bigger industrial revolution and then we had two world wars and then we went to space and we did all of that in under a hundred years. And, and maybe that was fast. <laughs> and I that don't a, think maybe that was a bad idea. I, I truly don't think human brains are designed for the level of complexity that it takes to survive these days i think we're still playing catch up with our own brains and our own society and i think that's not the only reason i don't think that's the only reason but i do think that's a little bit of it is just we're we're literally not equipped to live in massive skyscraper cities and we're not equipped to do all these things that we do like our evolution hasn't caught up yet. <laughs> yeah, That's actually an area of research where they discuss when um, culture outstrips or um, technology outstrips culture, where we just, we cannot keep up with the speed of thought. Our culture can't keep up with the speed, speed of innovation. And it actually leads to civilization collapse. Oh, wow. Because people just can't, yeah, they can't. It makes me think of uh, the Buddhists who think that, you know, life sucks is basically their philosophy. You just got to get through it. Um, There's also there's also this other and I'm I'm so bummed um, because I can't remember the name of it. My memory sucks. But um, David Icke, you guys familiar with David Icke? 
Okay. So he is one of those lizard guys who thinks like the government is all lizard people and stuff like that. And he's very, 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 um, you know, people, people are censoring him. They canceled him off all, all the platforms. Of course, Gaia loves David Icke. Um, so I, I, I try to, like I say, I try to keep an open mind. I don't want to judge a book without giving it a fair chance. So I was, uh, I read one of his books and he was making these crazy arguments that I felt like I couldn't see any holes in. So I started doing research and it turns out, and he doesn't mention this, but he is actually referring to the very first Christian sect. It's the very first group of Christians. I can't remember the name. And um, if you guys could help fill in the dots, because I, I might mess this up if you if you know what I'm talking about. But they believed that life sucks and that <laughs> the reason why humans are miserable all the time is because we're living in a illusion created by an invisible negative energy that some people the archons. That, yes. That's what it is. Yeah, it's not. It's Gnosticism. Gnosticism, exactly. Thank goodness you knew what I was talking yeah. about. What an interesting concept. And it's a kind of a beautiful philosophy. And it's the first Christian mm-hmm. sect ever, you know, one century yeah. AD. Uh, but mm-hmm. people don't really know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gnosticism is fascinating. Um, I remember when I was like about nine or ten maybe I was 11, but I said something to my dad about, well, you know, you know, dad, Lucifer means the light bringer. And he said, yes, that's, that's what it translates to. in in from Latin, it's true. I was like, well, you know, if you look at God in the Bible, dad, and he was ready because he, he's an agnostic. Um, and, and, he really doesn't believe Christianity is the only path or whatever, but he, you know, I mean, the church tried with him and it just didn't work. And so he let me go to church, but he always told me, you know, don't believe everything you hear and don't be afraid to ask questions. So, you know, I would get kicked out of church camp because I asked too many questions, nice. but my, my um, kind of girl. <laughs> And then, so I said, so, you know, if you look at God, he's, he's supposed to be light, you know, he's supposed to be this, this really loving person or this loving deity, but, you know, he killed everybody. (laughs) And that's not good. You know, that, that Noah, that was terrible. That was just terrible. Everybody couldn't be that bad. I mean, really? It's kind of crazy, Dad. Doesn't that sound a little bit crazy? And he's like, well, you know, I've thought that myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said, so, you know, you go to church and they tell you the only way to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. But, Dad, if if that was the case, why did they have this, like, Jesus come to one little tiny place and, and in Israel, like, one place? And not Africa. What about all the African people? Didn't God love them? The the missionaries didn't get there until like you know a lot later. That that's I mean, did all those people go to hell? 
And he said, I don't know. Why don't you ask the preacher the next time you go to church? So I did. And he didn't like it. But um, the point that I, I started coming to, and I, I, I went to him and I said, you know, Dad, what if the God in the Bible isn't really the, the God we're supposed to be worshiping? Like, he isn't really the God of light. He's kind of a little bit um, crazy and, and kills people. He's the and, angry older brother. <laughs> and, and what if Lucifer is the one who brings the light and then Jesus is the light? And that's that's part of it. But, you know, what if God also sent other messengers to other places and talked to people in their own languages? You know, not that Tower of Babel crap. He didn't want us all talking to each other in the same language. So he gave us all these different languages. Well, he could have, like, sent other messengers to them. And that's the other religions. And we're all going to go to heaven. And he basically looked at me and he said, oh, you just invented Gnosticism. I, I'm sure the first century Christians are very happy that you did that. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, well, go to the library and look it up. <laughs> so is it was, was I was I on point with Gnosticism is basically yeah. the belief yes. that we live in an illusion or we live in a prison. OK, that's right. It's like a prison and the invisible Entities that keep us here are called the archons. And they are kind of like the Greek daimons, only not nearly as uh, nice or helpful. I remember when I was in Iraq, I was um, reading, I've read and read and read and read a lot. And I was walking back from the chow hall in the desert, you know, 140 degrees outside with my, my major. And I was 19 years old. It looked like I was, you know, 14 years old. And uh, I looked up at him and I was like, you know, I think Jesus was an alien. <laughs> and he looked at me like he didn't know what to think. And I'm like, I said that to a youth group leader on the way to a retreat. And he's just like, just, just shook his head. He's like, we're not even talking anymore. Like, okay. But I mean, why not? Right. It fits the bill. Yeah, it makes, it does. Yeah. Fit. It does. Everything fit. about him fits the bill. Well, I, I have a hard time with the humanoid alien thing just because um, the it makes no logical yeah, sense. <laughs> thank you for saying it, not me. It just doesn't. Unless, you know, like even if they came from a different planet, the odds of them being anything like, like us at all is just. So for me, when I think about um, abductions and people who who see these gray alien beings around their bed at night and, and and sexually molesting them it fits and i'm sure you guys might probably know this um sleep paralysis to a t mm -hmm. and i feel like people just that's one of those other things where they just kind of you know go La 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 la. You know, it's like we can't hear you, and it's like, come on, how can you possibly ignore that? Or and I and I apologize for I'm new to this, right? So I don't have mm -hmm. the the education that you guys do in this field. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't John Kill the guy who um, hypnotized all those people? No, no, okay. You're thinking of you're Bud thinking Hopkins. of. Bud Hopkins or Mac. Okay. Right? John Mac. Bud Hopkins or David J Jacobs. Jacobs. And those are the three big ones. And apparently that South African school where all those kids say they saw the same thing. Apparently he was there hypnotizing them before That's before Mac. the TV interview. Right. 
Yep, that was John Mack. I have issues with hypnotism. Me too. I have so many issues. I have so many issues with Bud Hopkins mm-hmm. and David Jacobs. Um, John Mack, I almost give a pass to because, A, he at least was educated in how to hypnotize somebody because he had a PhD in psychology. So he at least knew what the hell he was doing. Um, but the other two, I mean, one of them was an artist and the other one's a historian and they just don't have any business hypnotizing anybody. And they also used um, leading questions. Mm -hmm. If you look at the transcripts of their sessions, they ask, they essentially tell the people what they saw. Mm -hmm. And I I can't even with that. That's no. Um, Keel actually says in one of his books that the only person who should ever hypnotize anybody is a therapist and they should be very careful about how they ask the questions what kinds of questions they ask um, because it is so easy to create a false narrative mm-hmm. that then becomes a false memory. Yeah. I think I would like to be hypnotized. I think that would be cool. You and mom, you and mom, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wonder if I am hypnotizable or am I too like rational and judgmental? Like I can't watch movies because I, I'm constantly just like, I can't get lost in fiction reality at all. At all. I'll see. See, I'm horrible because I I, uh, took lots of film classes, so I'll analyze the script and find every hole in it. And so I'm pain in the ass. So, yeah. But even then, my mind just starts wandering, especially the action films. It's like my mind just, like, shuts off completely, (laughs) which is terrible. But, yeah, (laughs) you were thinking of John Mack. I just read the... uh, the biography of him that it was a a really interesting story. Um, He was an interesting person, but you know, he had someone go to him and say that she had been abducted and she hadn't, she fed him a story and he believed it. And she went into it essentially seeing if he could create a false memory in her. Okay. And he did not catch that that was what was going on. He seemed like all. he really wanted to believe. I mean, he really, really, he which wanted. is a sweet thing. And I guess, you know, a lot of those people who who are into hypnotism have big hearts. They really, they really love people. And they have so much faith in everyone. And, they're, and I guess I'm really like pessimistic and misanthropic because I just really always raise an eyebrow to everything. I wish I had a bigger no, heart. No, I... <laughs> I I think I think both Hopkins and Mac had really big hearts and really wanted to help people. And I think most of the people who work with abductees are like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about David Jacobs. He has some serious misogynistic freakish issues that I, I can't even. But, you know, I, I I think people are trying to help. But, you know... All I got to say is the fairies were kidnapping people and making babies with them long, long, long ago before anybody ever heard of the Greys. I didn't know that there were. Incubi and Succubi, too. I didn't know there were stories of fairies having babies with humans. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So are they life-size? They're life-size fairies. That's right. I think I remember that. They can change size and shape, can't they? 
Mm-hmm. We can make the big small and the small big is one of the things that they are quoted as saying. The other the other invisible realm thing that I think I would like to talk about, and I've read multiple books on it, is Psy. So um, what are those people called? They can, you know, read your mind. Gosh, I have such terrible memory. Uh, telepath. Yeah. And I've read so many I books guess. and I really think that it's true. I really think that these people are doing it. Um, and I can't explain it. They have to be tapping into some sort of reality that just doesn't make sense. It's like a dream. Reminds me of um, that song, Row, Row, Row Your Boat. I think for me, that has been kind of like this beautiful, simple song that kind of nicely packages everything that I've learned and how I kind of view reality now and that we're all just kind of the same thing, having different experiences. It's been a life-changing, it was life-changing, the lights in the sky. Yeah. Yeah, they are. So what do you guys think the lights in the sky are? I, hmm. I lean towards interdimensional energy being. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think in part because that was the first explanation that I was exposed to um, for what they were at a young age. And I think that that's probably where that bias comes from. Um, but also because it fits. Like you say, the the plasma fits. It fits. It's it's some form of energy, whether it's like you say that it's your what you think they are is an advanced and actually scientific version of what I think they are. Yeah. Do you think there is a relation to diamonds and deep, you know, angels and all that stuff? I do actually. Um, I think that those are names we've given them. I think that there is some weird relationship between humanity and whatever they are. And there has been since forever. Um, Sometimes in my more paranoid moments, I think it's an adversarial relationship. Yeah. (laughs) Or an almost parasitic one. Um, But who's the adversary and who's the parasite? I can't always tell. And I don't always get that paranoid about it. Um, but I do think that we've interacted with each other as species for a very long time. Yeah. You know, what you just said reminds me, I watched this other YouTube video um, by a, a, a father-son duo, Paul and Ben Eno. Do you know them? Yeah. So I reached out yeah. to them. I was like, you guys, I want to I want to interview you. And he reached out and finally said yes. And then I've just been so busy, I haven't been able to do it. But I want to talk to him because in his video, he doesn't, he thinks that they're parasites. He thinks that the lights in the mm-hmm. sky are basically the devils or angels and whatever that are possessing these people and that they're parasites. And I was like, that fits the worm theory and the amoeba theory that they look like amoebas and. That's crazy. And it's really crazy because what if these lights are really just coming in and possessing people all the time? And we don't even know. (laughs) Could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of, kinds of 
things they could be doing. Um, I, I can understand that kind of paranoid way of looking at things. Um, some of them I think are symbiotic with humans. So that's not quite parasitic. Um, there's a give and take, but I think some of them are parasitic that if there is any reality to the gray aliens, if there's something other than just, um, sleep paralysis, Mm -hmm. if there's, if there is something to them other than that, I don't think that it's very, um, positive. I think they would fit in with the, we've already had a whole episode about it, but I think they fit in with the Buddhist concept of hungry ghosts, which are departed human souls that don't want to be reborn and into bodies. So they, they try to exit the wheel of karma and try to do a side step there and kind of, they, they mess with living humans and feed from their energy and, try to possess them and that's kind of, that's that's their way of trying to get experiences with living because they miss all of the sensual parts of living they they miss having bodies they miss food they miss sex they miss beauty um because apparently you know being unincarnated in in buddhist tradition is kind of boring and they don't like that mm. so oh, they 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 peaceful yeah, they, they want they want the experience, but they don't want to go through being reborn mm. and forgetting and being someone different. So, Barbara, and they don't want to start out as a baby. So, with all everything that you know from the whole gamut, from fairies and witches and diamonds and archons and everything like that, do you think that? these are all one and the same or do you think they're separate or do you think they're connected somehow? What, what are you, what if you had to say what you thought this, everything was somehow related, how would, would you be able to, what would you say? It depends on the day. Honestly, sometimes I think they're all the same. Sometimes I think that, that they're all the same. And then sometimes I think that they are a spectrum of different beings You know, it's possible that these energy beings, um, these plasmoids, have personalities just like humans. And and they have different personalities. And some of them are quote-unquote good. And some of them are not. And then there are some that are just kind of a mixture of good and bad like most humans are. Mm. Because very few humans are all good or all bad. Most of them are somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your your exceptions to the rule here and there, but most of the time, people are just people. And so maybe they're like that, too. Um, I had a friend who uh, once said he was watching the movie Aliens, and he was watching the alien mother, you know, go through and eat all the Marines and be totally creepy. And yeah. But really, she was just wanting to reproduce and lay her eggs for her babies and feed her babies. Now, that meant that she had to take sentient beings and you know, poke holes in their chests and terrible (laughs) things had to happen. But, you know, she was trying to perpetuate her species and survive, which is the biological imperative of all living beings. And he said, what if the aliens aren't good and they're not bad? They're just different. Mm. First off, I was like, God, you can tell you went to Oberlin (laughs) for college. (laughs) 
It really shows. And, and you can tell I went to a state university. Because there's a part of me that goes, yeah, but they're eating my people. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I just can't. I can't even. No, I'm with the space Marines. We need a bigger gun. That's that's what we're going to. We're going to nuke it from orbit. Sorry. <laughs> and, and he said, well, you know, that's not wrong either. <laughs> I was like, yeah, if we were on that spaceship, you would be the one going, maybe they're just different. And I'd be grabbing you and dragging you back to the spaceship and shooting them. Yeah. <laughs> going, okay, that's nice. Come on. You know, we'll make peace with them later. We, we have to survive first. So I think they might just be a, a spectrum of different consciousnesses. Okay. So like multiple species type thing? Or multiple expressions of consciousness that aren't exactly the same. Okay. How about you, Kendra? So maybe species, maybe not. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little more deeply. Hmm. Um, I mean, I have thought about it, but at the moment I have an office full of bugs. But I think they are so many people that have experienced the ones that you, that you have, have that are similar to the ones you talk about say that they have such a, a positive um, response to them. When it's over with, they're just mm. overwhelmed with a positive feeling. Like they want to be like you are, like you, mm -hmm. you feel a drive to educate and a, a drive to reach out and share your experience with other people. So I wonder if it's a consciousness without a body, but I, but it's, I don't see it necessarily. And maybe the different, the different expressions are, you know, like the smaller ones that are more parasitic, but the ones that you experience are, I don't I hate to put it this way, but kind of like like the divine reaching out, but the divine not necessarily being a god, but the divine being the 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 positive in each of us. That it that it is a it a it's essentially that. It's it's a piece of the divine that we're all a part of, but it just lacks a physical representation. Yeah. I um I am of the mind that humans are inherently um, animalistic, and we kind of mm -hmm. pretend that we're not, but we are totally biological creatures. Uh, Freud is not wrong, you know. Um, yeah. So if you take away the animalistic, biological, carbon-based human form, mm -hmm. what's left? I mean, and if if all of our deeds, our nasty sins and deeds come from our simple animalistic lifestyle, um, would we not be innocent and pure? You know, aren't we? Our our, our darkness comes from our earthly realm, maybe or maybe not. Some some people think that's called what dualism, and they think that's ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I there is, there is some separation there. Um, but I do think, I do think evil can come from mind just as much as it can come from shell. Mm. But how much of our mind is, 
is a result of our biological, subconscious, animalistic behavior. That's true. And that is a fun question. And then you also have is how much of our consciousness is our soul? Mm, yeah. Because sure. if the soul, the soul is what was conceived of being us without our body for so long, which is why I bring up the word soul, even though it's loaded. Mm. It's a very loaded term. I apologize for every to the world for using an extremely unscientific, very loaded term. Mm. Um, but it was that sense of it was who you were without your body, and that was pure and innocent. And then was it the Greeks who introduced the concept of the mind and the soul being separate, Mom? Yes. That's, okay. As I recall, I think it was Plato. But uh, I'm yeah. not 100% sure. Um, I, I think, you know, if you take away, if you count our mind as part of the biological um, body, which you have to. Which you do. You have to. But all of the consciousness isn't in the brain. Which it probably know, isn't. It has to be external or telekine telekinesis and telepathy don't work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It has to be non-local. But what, what if the brain is where we hold our evolutionary um, coding? You know, we, I have said for a long time that humans have two behavior patterns that are intrinsic to us that are shown by other great apes to greater and lesser extent, um, and that they're the two C's, and it's competition and cooperation, and they are both intrinsic to us. And they are both very good evolutionary strategies for survival. So there are times when competition will serve us very well to survive, for your tribe mates to survive, because we are very tribal at heart. So that's sometimes useful. But cooperation also is necessary for survival. And we see that that was very early on in human development because there are skeletons of pre-homo sapiens that had broken limbs that were healed. Mm -hmm. So somebody took care of those um, individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so early on, we, we, we show the propensity both for making war and making peace we show the ability to do what is necessary to survive. So those things might be part of the body-mind. Those might be part of our body-mind and separate from the soul. So that might be part of the animal self, mm -hmm. maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's coded in the brain, and then the soul is that part that's more ineffable and is non-local. You've got us into some weird philosophy, <laughs> and it's kind of awesome, Krista. Oh, I don't get to, sorry about that. I don't get to talk about this type of stuff with very many people. So when I when I'm around people, I can sense it, and it's okay. Then I'll do it. <laughs> I, I'm here for it. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's a, it's. A I lot. I also don't get to. <laughs> well, I um I feel 
like I am more of a prisoner of my body than I would like to be. And I feel like I have to kind of just submit myself to it. I mean, as women, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, gosh, that month where I just feel like a completely different person, you know, it's awful and everything that comes up with that and everything. And it's so beyond. And then as mothers and then to set the mother's love for her child. I mean, that's all evolutionary instinct. Um, so who are we if we aren't human? And then if you take that away, um, and I kind of believe that we're all one source. So like mm-hmm. I'm you and you're me, right? But we're just having different experiences. So we're just like an energy. What if we're an energy being having a multitude of earthly experiences? <laughs> you know? That's what the Hindus say. So. Yeah. Gosh, you have a you have good knowledge about all the different. You, you must be really into this. That's obviously you are. You should see the sheer amount of books in her house and my house. It's ridiculous. And, and your memory for keeping up with it, because I've read so many books, but I just I can't I can't remember all the names and such. I just we I think both of us, if we read something, it sticks really really well. Mm. It's it's not as great as it was when I was younger. As as I've gotten Don't older, I, I heard we, we call her Mister Spock. Do not listen to That's her. Awesome. <laughs> Although when I'm pregnant, I lose everything and yes, I don't remember did. a damn thing. <laughs> it was when I was weird. pregnant with the the little brother. Um, she and my husband would ask where something was in the house. We have a huge house, and I knew before I was pregnant where everything in it was. Even including things she had no reason to know where they were. Yeah. But it's because you had the magic mom like ability. No, I had to take over uh, as person who knew where everything in the house was for nine months because <laughs> I, I totally had no clue. I was, I was done with that. Didn't know. I wasn't as good at it as she was. So do you guys being mother and daughter, do you guys have any sort of shared psi experiences? Um, we are on the same psychic friends network. Um, we know when the other one is upset. We know when something bad has happened to the other one and we need to call them. Um, we, I, I know how to find mom when she disappeared one time. I knew where immediately where she was. Yeah. Um, I can usually find you too. Yes, you can. Um, which is good because I occasionally hair off into the darkness. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I was a runner as a child. Oh really? Yes. I would take I was just one of those little kids that would take off um after things and climb trees and fall out of trees and give my mom heart attacks. And we we had a mutual UFO sighting on Christmas twenty twenty. Was it a light or was it a solid object? It was multiple lights and one big silvery light that shot over the house. So what is it about you guys? Uh, We do not know. Mm. (laughs) I wish we did. Someone should study us. Yeah. I I will say that um, Gary Nolan and Kit Green, Dr. Kit Green and Dr. Gary Nolan, are doing brain scans on people who are experiencers. Okay. And... There is a paper that is widely anticipated coming up. Really? Um, supposedly, they've been finding some possible structural differences. 
So maybe there's something. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you talking about studies and UAP, and I think about um, who a second, Lou Elizondo, and how he's kind yeah. of the head leader of of everything, or the guys at Skinwalker Ranch who basically have the same yeah. agenda. And I just feel like they're completely off track, and they're putting all this time and money and energy into something. But at the same time, sometimes Lou Elizondo says things where I feel like he knows they're off track, but he also knows that they kind of have to go down that route before they can justify saying that there's, you know, plasma beings in the atmosphere that are aware of our society and might actually be able to impact it in some way. Did you see that light in Oahu that went down and started like drinking the water? Yes. Um, Yes. I saw What the heck? Well, even the Tic Tacs, some of them are like hovering right above the water or look like they have come up out of the water. Have have you noticed that in the Tic Tac videos? Yeah. Water. And, you know, we live in Ohio with Lake Erie up there. And my uncle used to live up there and he used to watch lights go down into the water and come back up. It is something about our family. Yeah. Well, he was, it was Uncle Jerry. He was married in. So. That's he right. he that wasn't was one of us weirdos. He was a different weirdo. But the fact that you can see an actual electric pen- appendage go down into the water and you can actually see like energy moving up this appendage thing. And then um, mm-hmm. uh, Scott DeShane, he interviewed a guy out in Virginia who said he saw an appendage go into the water as if it was drinking it. Um, yeah. So are they, you know, are they here? I think when the earth was covered in water that's when they were formed in the atmosphere. Could be. Water, earth, atmosphere creatures, which is really beautiful to think of. And I love looking at nebula and, you know, other solar systems and just thinking about all the different life forms. And what's really cool, and I haven't really mentioned this much either, is that the perfect ingredient soup for these plasma moids is exactly what Jupiter and Saturn are. So I don't think it would be too far of a stretch to say that these lights in the sky are either coming from Jupiter or Saturn or also inhabit Jupiter or Saturn, which is very exciting. That would be, that would be fascinating. Yeah. We spend so much time looking for life elsewhere when we could just really be looking not only our own atmosphere, but our own solar system. This sounds flippant, but I don't mean it as flippant. Maybe they come here on vacation. Yeah, to come chill. There's this guy. His name is George Rabb, and he loves to go hiking early in the morning, and he brings his camera, and he films the sun rising. And he filmed balls of light coming in and out of the sun. Oh, wow. It's crazy. And there's lots of videos like that. (laughs) I know you see stuff like that and you're just like, what? We are bottom feeders. It makes me feel like we're bottom feeders for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Some of us certainly. In this game of life, (laughs) this illusion that we have to get over. Well, I wanted to tell you about a film called Capturing the Light. Have you seen that? I have. What did you think of Dorothy Isaac? I thought she was great. Um, she was so sweet yeah. and so humble. Um, 
I the the footage itself when the lights are able to move that much in one frame indicates to me and I have this indication for a lot of reasons but this is another one that the light doesn't experience time as we know it and in fact photons yeah. don't experience time as we know it so I think they're able to completely so and I and I sometimes I wonder if they did that as a hint to show us that they're not in this four-dimensional realm like we are. Or some, you know, my theory is that they're creatures of the fourth dimension and that they're kind of hanging out in the ether. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's something I bugged the high school teacher about. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dismissed me. Yeah. I've, I asked him about, you know, what if it's a being of, of the fourth dimension? And he's like, I, uh, go study for your test. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, there's these fun but, YouTube videos yeah. where you're like, what would it be like if I was a fourth dimensional creature? And it fits how the lights mm-hmm. in the sky behave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it could be. They, well, you know, there's, there's so many different, um, ideas like, um, the parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo, I just started reading The Haunted Universe. Mm-hmm. It was written in 1977. It's old. Um, but he talks about what if the UFOs and other paranormal phenomena, Bigfoot, uh, humanoid sightings, whatever, beings of light, are psychic experiences, that we are creating them mm. psychically that we're essentially creating tulpas out of our own consciousness. You said tulpas? Yeah. Thought beings. It's a, okay. Yeah. It's a Buddhist idea. Um, It's a Nepalese uh, Buddhist idea where you concentrate your thoughts and create a being out of them. Interesting. Um, Keel writes about it. We keep bringing Keel up. Yeah, that's good. But, I'll have to look into Yeah, that. Dr. Jacques Vallée is another person. If you haven't read his stuff, you should maybe look at him. Yeah, I, I feel like he's used as a, um, f- you know, face for a lot of the people who believe the lights are spaceships. But whenever I actually hear about his work, he doesn't, he seems to think exactly what I think. So I'm wondering why do they keep referring to someone who blatantly disregards what their whole belief system is? Okay. That's weird, isn't it? It is weird. I think he's become kind of a sort of a touchstone for people. Okay. And, and his, his ideas morph depending upon your interpretation of what he says. I, I say that he, I mean, he says blatantly they're probably not from space and they probably never were. And even when they appear to have physical vehicles, those may not actually be physical. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I mentioned it before we started that when I, after I made my documentary, I just wanted to continue researching and um, I was just reading book after book after book. And people were like, oh, you're too young. I've been doing this since before you were born. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, what do you know? What documentary have you seen that I haven't? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? There's at least some secret library that you have access to that nobody else does. 
Um, no. And it, no. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing is crazy. And, and um, I just kind of feel like, what am I missing? I feel like I've, I've heard it all. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should um, research more into John Kill and Jacques Vallée. But even then, I kind of feel like I covered it. You know, I, I think I'm ready for something new now. Yeah. Sadly, I think new is going to be coming from people's experiences and people trying to push research further in the coming years. We might be lucky in our lifetimes. There may finally be a coalition of scientists and scholars and artists and documentarians and everybody who finally get together and like all work together with open minds to like figure it out. But until then, I think new stuff gonna is going to come possible. from, yeah, it's going to be in little chunks and dribbles and drabs and from just weird places that you wouldn't think of. <laughs> I have noticed yeah. that when the, the government, the news was coming out about the lights in the sky, the UFO community was on fire. I mean, podcasts every day, oh, people yeah. are freaking out. Mm -hmm. And now um, the podcasts are slowing down. I don't hear about them anymore. The ones that are, are significantly less viewership. So it's really, really starting to get very, very quiet. And I think I'm not the only one who's kind of, you know, craving something new. And I think we just beat the dead horse too much. If that was that the proper metaphor yeah. there, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, it, it's, it's hard because when the Tic Tac videos came out, we got a lot of new interest mm -hmm. and new people coming in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them really fell in with Lou Elizondo mm -hmm. and Tom DeLong. Tom DeLonge and, and really got into that extraterrestrial hypothesis, mm -hmm. um, Skinwalker Ranch. Um, you know, they really got into that. And when the whole, there's going to be a disclosure from the government. I mean, there's going to been disclosure from the government since project blue book for God's sake. And there's never been full disclosure from the government, which leads me to believe they don't know that much more about it than anybody else. Yeah. Well, people were so um, upset with the disclosure. Oh, that was nothing. That was anticlimactic. They said nothing. But for me, I felt like that it spoke volumes. They admitted that the lights of the sky in there and they admitted that they're not extraterrestrial. I think people were upset because they didn't hear what they wanted to hear. But that, oh, that doesn't yeah. mean that there wasn't information to be had. I mean, that was huge. They really said was. that that it was there, that it was a phenomena that was real, and they said they didn't know what it was. Yeah. Well, what more do you I want? I know. I know. And that's what everybody's been clamoring they, for, was recognize it. Mm -hmm. and it's like they, they wanted did. somebody to unmask a lizard man. Yeah. Anything <laughs> short of that, they were not going to be happy. Show us the ship. We know you have it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everybody's Fox Molder. Everybody wants to believe. I think it's Star Trek. Star uh, Trek was the one I think that the older generation of, of believers, they really, really grew up with Star Trek and have this whole fantasy world in their head of how they want it to be. And um, one guy, oh my gosh, this is so funny. You guys are going to get kicked out of this. Um, so <clears throat> the scientific guys in the UFO world are all 
I'm just going to be honest here, okay? So if they're listening, don't get offended. <clears throat> Old white guys. <clears throat> and they all kind of, you know, they all kind of have the similar way of looking at it. So there's this old white guy convention about UFOs and I'm like the only female. And uh, this one guy gets up and he starts doing a presentation about um, how he thinks that the the lights in the sky are spaceships carrying humans traveling back in time to manipulate our reality or something like that. And someone asks him a question Um why do you think the female aliens, do you think they're attractive? What purpose do they have to be attractive if your argument is that these, these future aliens who are really just, you know, evolved humans um, don't need a, to be attractive anymore? And that's why they lose their hair and, and don't really have genitalia and, and so on and so forth. And he goes, I think women are hot. I think I think I think uh, women aliens are so hot, and I, I he was like, and the bush matched the drapes or something like that, and I was like, oh my god, the carpet, the carpet matched the drapes is that saying? That's so nice. That's just and I was like, oh my god, dude, my like word. Freudian slip, dude. You just like let this out that this is like some perversion dream that you have. <laughs> I'm sure you're a nice guy. Went down, but... you went down. But, the, oh my god! The nice the guy. David Jacobs mind hole. It was, oh, that's it was so awkward. It was so awful. And see, if I'd been there, I just would have busted out laughing. Yeah, loud. it was like a virtual conference thing. So I was like, I just typed just like, been... oh no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just would have. I oh. Because sometimes I can be really cool and keep that Vulcan face. That and sometimes you fail. And sometimes I fail epically. Yeah, I listened to your guys's podcast, and I the episode I I felt like you guys um, seemed very very kind and open to your guests' beliefs, and um, yeah, you don't seem very combative about that. Very agreeable with that. Do you ever find that you get to a point to where you'd kind of tell people that you know you don't think or do you think you always kind of open yourselves to what people say i try really i don't since none of us know what the hell the answer is it feels wrong to like assume other people's ideas are wrong so i try to go into it with I don't actually, I I sure don't know what it is. So I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But like also if somebody like, I guess if somebody walked up to me and was like, the aliens are here to specifically make all humans subjugated sex slaves, I would be like, bro. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's what the aliens want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that they're aliens in the first place and neither do you probably, but okay. well, we were talking okay. about this, Barbara, about how, you know, we're in this community and you don't want to step on people's toes and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. But at the same time, how are we ever supposed to get closer to the truth? If we aren't afraid to, to have that bad, that conversation to maybe be a little unagreeable. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a state now. I think I'm probably too unagreeable. I need to work on my agreeableness. 
Um, but it's this tough situation to where it's like, do we want to, do we want to be nice or do we want to find truth? I don't know. Do you guys think they can go hand in hand? I think there's a time and place for each. And I think there are people for each, like you're, you would be a good person to be like, not so much, but you still need people that are like, Hey, tell us more. Mm. So I think it's, it's about striking a balance. Cause once you say like, in a if platform like this, if we say, oh, I, I think you're full of crap, that's a, that's a closed door. Um, and there are times to close that door, but I don't know that we are the closers door closers. of doors. Yeah, that's <laughs> not kind of what we're looking to do. So do you feel it in your heart but sometimes? Think, you just don't say it out loud? I have not personally yet. I have not felt that way. I have not yet either. Not with any of our guests. Yeah, exactly. Um, in 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 the rest of my life, occasionally running into some stuff, I've definitely in my heart been like, "Oh no, yeah, that's intense." Like lizard or people. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, lizard like, people. Yeah, <laughs> like Hollow Earth theory. I'm just like, oh, it's a great, like, fun, goofy thing, but like, I don't believe in Atlantis either like i do not believe in atlantis i'm sorry i i want to like from a sci-fi nerd perspective believe in like ancient civil lost civilizations of highly advanced people because that makes a great comic book or a great story but i do not believe in atlantis i don't mm. <laughs> i think the argument a lot, of, my a lot of people who approach me um i get emails from people who try to tell me um ways i can be better with communicating with people um, and to not offend them so much because I have this ability to do that without trying um, is to um, don't tell people things that go against their belief. Mm, that's and I feel like at that point, why are we even talking? Right. Why are we even here? And it's a very uncomfortable situation for me to be in. And that's had that's been something that I've been struggling with being in this field. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the rock stars of the UFO community, I mean, they have been milking this beast. Um, I mean, yeah. they really are like rock stars and uh, there's a lot of ego there. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, for example, let's think about Linda Mullen Howe. We know that she has a massive following, but we also know that she was <clears throat> lied to by a government yeah. agent about spaceships and she built her entire her, her her entire audience off of of this lie the lie comes out yet she still maintains this rock star status and it's like that all the conferences are like this it's very very interesting i think the ufo world and i've said this before is a reality show waiting to happen oh god yes yeah that would be great wouldn't it i'm yeah. surprised it hasn't oh, happened god, yet yeah. could you imagine so I actually started writing a fiction script. I actually wrote the script. I have an outline. It's like 60 pages, like more than 60 pages now. I haven't sat down and done it, but I have all the archetypes in the UFO community in it. So I have like the Stephen Greer <laughs> archetype, which is so fun. And then I have um, the uh, the hypnotist archetypes in there as well. And I mean, it, it, the story writes itself, right? Yeah. It's so yeah. funny how how amusing the whole thing is. One day it will be, I know. You know, with me, I'm, 
with the guests that we have here, I, I feel better believing someone who may be lying than telling someone who's telling the truth, even if it sounds unbelievable, that they're wrong. I feel like that, especially with experiencers. And part of the reason I feel that way is because um, I've talked with my therapist. I, I, I talked with my therapist before we started this whole podcast thing because I was like, am I crazy? <laughs> and she said, no. She said, no, you're not crazy. I said, even though I see weird stuff. And she said, no, you're not crazy because you see weird stuff. And I this said, is where I equip know, you're crazy for other reasons. Mom. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, I tell her what we do. And I, I told her, you know, that I would, I will not confront an experiencer about their experience and tell them that I don't believe them. And so far, I haven't had anybody on that I disbelieved strongly. And she said, you know, it doesn't matter if their experience is objectively true or not. It's true for them. Mm. And she said, and I trust your perception and your ability to read people well enough to tell when someone is telling you their true experience. It doesn't matter if you weren't there and you didn't experience it. They did. And it means something to them. So what you're doing is you're providing, you're holding a space for them to tell their story. And you might just say something that gives them one piece that they can help make meaning out of it. Or just having the three of you say, wow, that was really tough. You know, or we've seen something like that might be just enough that they can then integrate that experience hmm. and move forward. She said, I think that's more important than getting the absolute truth. She said, because honestly, if we are all part of a singular, huge, non-physical consciousness, experiencing ourselves as separate consciousnesses, there is no objective truth exactly. She said, so that isn't as, it doesn't matter as much as what you're doing is giving people essentially permission to have their experience and explain it in their words. And I think that's important. Now, do I read books and go, oh, for God's sake, hmm. you've got to be kidding me. Yes, I do read books and go, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. Um, in fact, I'm probably more skeptical than I sound on this podcast hmm. by a lot because I, you know, Morgana's heard me and I think Kendra's heard me go off about, oh my God, that's ridiculous. You know, that, that just, that's just not possible. Although I'm not as rigid about what's possible anymore. I used to be a lot more rigid about that. I think we're squishy. Yeah, we're squishy. What do you mean? I think we're we're a squishy podcast. We're It's not that if somebody if we disagreed with somebody we would say it. 
But our aim is to have discussions with cool people who have interesting thoughts and also talk with people who've seen or experienced something strange and just have conversations, basically. So we don't have to be quite as, like, hardcore Mm. as, like, you would have to be. Okay, yeah. Um, so we're we're squishier. We we have leeway to be a little more chill. Yeah, I can see that. About um, we're the hum- we're the human interest section. Yeah, we're, we're not the, the human science interest section. section. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard I've heard a lot of people say that they think the lights. The reason why they're so important is because of the human connection. Um, I, I think, but for me, I almost kind of feel like that's a completely separate thing. How we perceive mm-hmm. it is is different than what they really could be at all. You know, doesn't make it any less important or any less real for that person, like you said. But it almost is at that point something different. I guess my concern is my fear, as I guess I'm a skeptic, is. Um, people who run away with their imaginations. Like my son is extremely imaginative. He's such an artist. He's absolutely amazing. He really, truly does have a gift. And he also has this thing where he has a hard time getting lost in his imagination. Like I have to bring him back down to reality, you know? And those are the people who are easily suggestible. Those are the people who are more likely to be hypnotized. Um, and so I appreciate, and I asked him one time, because he's very smart. He's only 11, but he's he's very smart. And I said, Christian, you know, a lot of these people who, who think that they've been abducted, um, they really truly believe that they've been abducted. And I asked him, do you think that you, could you see yourself ever getting so lost in your imagination that the reality that you've created seems real? And he looked at me and he was like, yeah. No doubt. And I'm not like that at all. So I can't possibly imagine what that must be like. But I really firmly believe that people like my son create these fantasies. And I feel bad for saying it, but I see it in my son and I see it in, the, in these other people. And and I, I think they do need a platform. They do need loving people like yourselves to listen to them because that is important. And they are human and it does matter to them. And that's important. Um. But I guess Carl, the the reason the first time I ever heard of Carl Jung, or the reason why I personally love Carl Jung, is not because he was into UFOs, but because of his theory theory of personality. And so he, you know, that's where Myers Briggs came from. But it's based off of Carl Jung's theory of personality. And uh, I, I seem like you guys are feelers, and I think a lot of artists are are feelers, and I think there's some value there, some beauty to that. So thank you. I'm actually an INTJ, but oh, really? She is. I am so judgy. <laughs> so you just know how to access the feeling side, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What 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 did I end up being? Because I did one recently. ENTF, I think. I think. Yeah. Um, I am. I am more feely. You are way more feely than I am. I, as in our inside jokey way, she's the Vulcan. I'm the Romulan. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what that is. 
<laughs> Mr. Spock is a Vulcan. Okay. And uh, Romulans are like Vulcans, except they have emotions. They have they're lots not, of them. They're not driven by logic. and <laughs> They're driven by passion and honor and like all these things. Um, I'm actually an INTJ myself. Well, there you there go. go. Bottom of the screen is all of the judgy people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the top left corner for mine, so I guess it's different for everybody. Okay. Yeah, it's different on everybody. See that right there? Perception is different for every single one of us. Uh-huh. Good wow. accidental metaphor. Yeah, really. Well, we have been talking for over two hours. It's been fun. So I think... It's been great. You are welcome to come back anytime if you ever have anything on your mind. I don't ever meet um, people that I click with, and I feel so comfortable with you guys. So thank you. It's rare, especially uh, fellow women. I mean, really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, if you ever want to talk theories, look us up. Okay. And if you ever want to just like hang out, you can hang out with us too if you want. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And Barbara, if I live closer, I'd have to get some of your food because you look like your food is just absolutely amazing. <laughs> I always see you sharing. Morgana's is great too. You sharing your food. You're like a professional chef. I was. And your artwork. Were you really, I could tell. I'm so jealous. I thought I could cook food and I saw yours and I was like, good Lord. I wish I could cook like that. And your artwork, very talented. Thank you. Thank you. Morgana's a great cook too. She actually yes. is still working in the industry. So. Nice. She's yeah. She's, only two days a week now. I used to love working in the kitchen. Step down a lot. It's so much it fun. It is fun. It is. I it was is. in the Nothing, I was in the front of the talk house. About adrenaline high. I was in the front of the house at uh, Texas Roadhouse when I was sixteen years old. Oh. And God. the server, the manager, comes up to me after a couple of weeks, and he goes, "Krista, I don't think you're a people person. I think you need to come into the kitchen." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you need to come. So I was the people. only female in the kitchen and I loved it. And it was like family back there. It was so fun. Yep. It is. Yep. It is. Yep. It is family. Family that swears a lot and gets drunk together sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes way too drunk together. Um, and will totally like punch each other in an alleyway, but will also like <laughs> help you move back. at the drop of hats and yeah. come rescue you yeah. and like bring you a kitten. Yeah. Just stay in the back of the house yeah. where no one sees you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't talk yes. to the people. I'm I'm not allowed to talk to the yeah, people. Me they don't want me talking to the people. <laughs> I'm the same way. I mean, there was love there and appreciation, and I'm glad he didn't judge me for not being a people person. He got it. Yeah, he knew. He knew where your rightful place. Yeah, I sound like I don't want to be a people person. I took it. It is what it is. (laughs) Yep, I've been both front and back of the house. I much prefer back of the house. It's where all the fun happens. Yep, you get to set stuff on fire all the time. All For me, time. it was just getting in the zone. It was like that one place where time just disappeared. Yep. Yep. It stops and you just, you move. You don't you even ride have a wave. Mm-hmm. You yep. ride a wave and it's all body motion and you don't even have to think and everything clicks mm-hmm. and beautiful things are just happening the whole time. And then it's five to eight hours later and your shift's over and you're like, what? Yeah, you got your steps in. Yeah. And then your <laughs> yeah. And then you realize, oh my God, I've been standing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for coming and being with us. Thank you. It was yes, great. It was wonderful. I agree. It was a great time. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.